Welcome to Vossa, celebrating Pacific and Papua New Guinean voices and discussing our future. Vossa is a storytelling project driven by experts and creatives in the region with support from the World Bank in the Pacific and Papua New Guinea. Bolavinaka! My name is Arieta Rika and I am your host. How often do you walk away from watching a performance thinking, hmm, maybe I should or maybe I could do something differently? In the Pacific, artists have spent generations making us think and reflect on our own behaviour and cultural norms. And more recently, development organisations have partnered with artists to enable people to act on these shifts in their thinking and behaviours to create long-term and sustainable change in our communities in areas such as education, health, environmental change. It's amazing. And today we discuss all of this. Joining us today is Joe Doris, writer and co-founder director of One Small Bag and actress Helen Killer from One Small Bag's much-loved TV series, Love Patrol. One Small Bag started as a community theatre group in Vanuatu in 1989 and has since been funded by Australian and New Zealand government agencies and development organisations and has produced countless shows and films in Vanuatu and across the Pacific. Also joining us is Sachiko Soro, director and a composer and choreographer at Vo, a Fiji-based independent performance dance company. Vo has performed hundreds of shows in the Pacific and abroad and blends traditional and modern Fijian dance with young artists at the helm of producing the messages of challenge and change through these creative mediums. Last but not least, we are joined by Vika Raithawarandi, Vika is a communications consultant at the World Bank, and not only that, Vika has 14 years of experience in communications for development in the Pacific, and she has a wealth of knowledge and experience in partnering with Pacific artists to support positive and sustainable change in our communities. Thank you again for joining me. Um, Sachiko, if you could tell us about Vo and, you know, I know that Vo has used cultural dance and entertainment as a way to promote and uh, drive awareness in, in uh, different areas that we would like to see change in Pacific communities, such as climate change and human rights, not only in Fiji, but also around the world. So I'm interested to know what your thoughts are in how you balance this ancient art form with modern messaging to achieve some sort of awareness and change? So the work that we do at Vo, I, um, the, when we started Vo in 2007, um, I, we had, um, okay, so we started Vo in 2007. I grew up in Fiji doing mostly cultural forms of dance in primary school and in secondary school started doing a little bit of contemporary dance. And loved it at USP. And so I decided I was going to go to dance school, came back. And it's the, in Fiji, it's very popular to do Polynesian-style dancing. Um, and so I was always questioning, like, why not, like, why are we not celebrating traditional Fijian meke? Why are we not investigating what it is to be a modern Fijian that lives in Suva that's so detached from, like, you know, the traditional con- context? Yet it's this own subculture in the Pacific, which is the urban Pacific. Yeah? So we were really interest, interested in investigating what our identity was as young urban Pacific Islanders. Yeah? 
So that's the whole idea of Vogue means new. So it's like trying to find ourselves in that dichotomy between like old and new and traditional and contemporary, like what, what making work that represented our reality. You know what I mean? That's very much influenced by tradition, um, but at the same time detached from it. Like, you know, we do a lot of traditional research in, in, in the rural context, like going to the... Uh, dancers, villages of origin, pre presenting a traditional service to ask to learn a dance or a meke. So, for example, like we might go to, like, for example, we went to Silana village in Thailevu to learn a dance about fishing. But in our contemporary dance work, like, we're not catching fish anymore. We're going to buy fish and chips on Terry Walk. So, like, you know, we're like weaving, you know, these old things into new ways of being, you know, and trying to, you know, repurpose it for like the way we communicate. And coming back to your question on um, on communicating um, important messages, and part of that is like because historically, you know, dance was used as a vehicle to tell stories about what was happening, and so nowadays, what is happening? What is happening? We're telling stories about climate change. We're telling stories about women uh, women's issues in the Pacific. We're telling stories about you know the need to preserve um, culture and stuff. So those are the issues that keep coming back into the work of Vo. And when I say the work of Vo, I don't create the work of Vo. I'm just like admin lady in the office. <laughs> like I'm just, you know what I mean? I just facilitate these things, but it's coming from, you know, the, the youth that want to talk about these things. And these are the things that keep coming up again and again, women's, women's issues of, of, you know, equality, climate change and the need, the, the, the loss of culture that is, um, you know, an important issue for young Fijians. Um, so those are the things that they've been talking about in the work that they're creating. And, um, and it's, it's, um, it's a great place to be able to speak about that because you have all of these scientific facts and stuff, but it's faceless. There's no human body behind that. You know what I mean? So that's when I see, when you see someone who's actually survived a category five cyclone and they're talking about when they buried their baby it's very human experience. It's, you know what I mean? It's, it's raw and it's horrible and it's horrific. And that's what, that's where the arts and science needs to bridge, you know, so that people can understand what it means. We can be the, you know, the translator that can, you know, translate what, you know, the, the, the urgency, you know, to look at all of these situations. So I hope that that kind of in a very convoluted way sort of addresses some of the things that you are asking, yeah. Thank you, Suchuko. I think it's really inspiring to hear about the work that um, you are doing and that Vo is doing in this space that you have created for young people to be able to use this uh, art form as a way of telling their own stories. And I want to bring in um, Joe and Helen into this because I know that at One Small Bag you've been, you've been in operation since 1989 and you've been doing this work for a very long time. And I know that you also have experience with partnering with organizations um, for funding purposes, but also um, to get really important messages out there through drama. Um, and I know that some of the areas that you've really focused on is in youth, health um, and conservation. And I'm really interested to know, you know, of course, we can't avoid Love Patrol, an amazing show. Yeah, if, if you could just, um, I guess, tell us a bit about your story and the um, experiences that you've had through One Small Bag. I, I might start because I'm so much older. I remember the beginning. <laughs> she was only a baby. <laughs> so 
Well, yeah, we started back in 89 as a very small group of actors. I think there were four. And, and the idea was basically to have a community theatre group because um, that's what we were really fascinated. That's what we really wanted to do. And then over the years, the demand for messages to go out as plays became enormous because people like Forestry would turn up in the village and they'd say, um, you know, we want to see everyone. And they get a very small number of people coming to their to, to talk to them about, about to, so they, they, they couldn't really give out the messages they wanted to give to the number of people they wanted to give them. And so they, they would ask us to make a play about forest and we'd go into the village and everyone would come, the, the kids, the dogs, the chickens, everybody would turn up because it was something different and there were a lot of people. And, and we, although we did commissions, they were always commissions that we felt were important, but we have had constant funding from partners, which has made it possible for us to grow and to keep 120 people in work, which is so important here. Mm -hmm. and, and especially young people, because we employ what the majority yeah. would, would be young people, would be young really. People, yeah. Yeah, so, and for, for, for young people to find work here is extremely difficult. And since COVID, it's been desperate, I would say. I mean, we're lucky to have the RSE schemes that manage to take some of the young people who are unemployed away, but there are massive and massive people. <coughs> and, and we've been also very lucky because the content of our work has been totally our own. I mean, you, you get a commission and you say, and people say, oh, well, we want something about fish. And that's about as far as they go. Some, some kind of something, but quite often they haven't thought through what they actually really want. And so you go out and you see what you see and you research it and you, you, you come back with your own picture. I mean, they'll probably say gender and fish, to be fair, not just fish, but, but, but not enough to actually influence too much of what you're doing, so that you you know you can you can you, you can come up with a story that that you feel and that the, that hopefully all the actors will feel is is a story of the place. Yeah. Um, and uh, so so we we've been we've been for years now um, funded by Australian Aid, New Zealand Aid, and Oxfam as core funding which allows us to do whatever we like. So we can have a film season and make whatever we want. And we can have a theater season where we make whatever plays we feel we, we want to make. So we've been incredibly lucky that way. Thank you, Joe. I think what I've gotten from Sachiko and yourself, um, it's, it seems to be very important to have meaningful partnerships in the community, but also retain that freedom to be able to um, produce messages and stories that are impactful, creative, and that will actually make a difference. And I think that it's a testament to uh, both of your organizations that you've been able to do that over a number of years. And I wanted to um, just make mention of that. And I think Vika, um, with yourself coming from a representative from a development organization, you know, I think it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on this and um, 
And I know that you've also previously worked with UNICEF too, so not just at the World Bank, but you've seen this uh, partnership in action from that side as well. And I just wanted to open it up to you for your thoughts and your comments on what we're hearing um, Sachiko and and, um, Joe and, and Helen talk about. From my experience in the past is, I think it boils down to also um, what what it what development partners are trying to achieve in in the whole scheme of things. Um, it's with good intentions, um, and you know it's it's often you know what are the um, health seeking behaviors that you know different agencies or organizations are trying to promote. What are some of the behaviors or you know better life choice lifestyle choices that people are trying to promote? Without getting too, I guess you can say rigid in terms of and prescriptive with how that might look, um, and you're and you're exactly right, Joe. Most of the time, people have a vague idea of what they're trying to do without really understanding the science and 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 the marriage of the science. And it's not always easy, but I think I think it's something that we that I've learned over the years um, in, in terms of communication for development is. It's definitely a multifaceted approach and it really boils down to, you know, the people who really understand the audiences that we're trying to communicate or, or, or reach. Um, you know, if it's millennials and, you know, I, I usually lie about my age when it comes to this topic, but, you know, what exactly is it? How, do we, how are we tapping into TikTok? How are we tapping into, you know, the different digital platforms and putting content on those different platforms so that people can kind of get the messages that we're trying to push out? Um, again, I'm a huge fan of the arts and I think preserving the thing that makes us so wonderful, so wonderful and celebrating our diversity in the Pacific is something that is part of the richness that, you know, um, that companies like One Small Bag and Vo and so many others that we have in the region really speak to in terms of that authenticity as opposed to, you know, let's print 20,000 posters and, you know, we're, we're good, we're done, we're done for the day. Um, you know, really taking that extra step into how do we use more multifaceted approaches um, so that things, you know, it, we're, the human side of the development work is really in terms of how we how we do this in a much more sustainable way that, you know, that our audiences are really actually like, you know, what, what do mothers like to listen to if it's radio or, you know, the mobile theatres, um, you know, having having those different approaches, but having it in ways that we don't, I guess, we were able to have those deep dives that we're able to have something that also has the research behind it so that we can show, you know, over the course of time, um, like, you know, like the patrol, you're able to touch on topics that were not culturally and not very easy to talk about, you know, HIV, um, you know, like violence against women, but it was a space that was a safe space that people were able to relate to that did lead to conversations beyond, um, you know, those, those different episodes. Um, and I think that's that's where we need that, you know, that longevity in terms of investment from development partners, how we think a bit more outside the box, you know, times are changing. Um, thank you, Vika. I think it was really uh, interesting to hear your perspective from the other side in terms of being um, working in development agency uh, organizations and agencies and what your thoughts are. And you're right, I agree with you in, in order to see 
um, true shifts. I think it's a long-term game, long-term investment. And it's really great to see organizations that are, are leading the way in that and, and coming to the table and, and are all for that. And, um, you know, in terms of change and, you know, as you mentioned, their audiences, um, Helen, if you could, I guess, share with us, I mean, you've been, you an actress on the Love Patrol that Vika just mentioned as well and that we've kind of been talking on and we've touched on um, in terms of one small bag's work. And I'd just like to ask you, you know, being the artist in this conversation, I know in terms of your experience as an actress and, you know, actually uh, delivering or embodying this work in the community, like have you had people over the years come up to you and talk about Love Patrol? Like or do you have any stories where, you know, you can actually see from when you when the show started or when you were a part of it and like people come up to you and, and you can see that, oh, it's actually having an impact. Like I can see that people's perceptions are changing. Thank you, Arena. So just a bit of a personal background information. Uh, One Soul Bag will always is, holds a special place um, in my heart. I joined when I was 18, um, recently out of school, just had a baby, didn't have much going on. And so um, went for an audition and they took me uh, for the first season of Love Patrol. And um, I, for the first time in my life, I learned so much more than I ever learned, say in school about important issues, say reproductive health, LGBT rights. And it was also on that year that we had our first um, gay character in the film, which sort of um, was a starting point for our LGBT community that it, that it is today. And so, um, yeah, people do come up to me and they always ask me if Love Patrol will continue and, and what will happen. Um, and it's, it's just been a really wonderful experience working there um, on Love Patrol and Small Bag. Um, I have seen a shift in behavioral changes, especially with my young friends. I joined when I was 18, so I would go around and tell them that, oh, we have a clinic, it deals with reproductive health. Um, a lot of the youths did not know that much about um, sexually transmitted infections and stuff like that. And, and myself, um, growing up, did not know anything about having a baby, so had one at 17. And uh, coming to Smallback sort of was that, like a door that opened for me. Um, so personally, yeah, it, it has just been like a great eye opener. And we have seen that in communities everywhere we go, any kind of topic that we take there and we do a play first and then a little workshop after, they, it, it just becomes more easier for them to understand. They can grasp it more than just going there with say like what Vika said, like a bunch of posters and putting them up. People wouldn't really notice that. But seeing actors there performing something that they can relate to has been it has been the thing that we find most achieving about the work that we do. Um, and we have seen changes. A lot of moms um, in the outer islands, especially, um, they the contraceptive contraceptives were really a sort of like a taboo subject. And um, our plays and our films and Love Patrol did that in opening that their eyes to that as well, for them to know that there are options available for them to control their families and there are ways that they can, you know, plan their families and um, stay safe. So yeah, that has been 
I think one of the main <laughs> the main achievements for for me personally. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I thank you, Helen. I think it's really amazing, and you know that what you've shared is, a, I guess, an example. A very um, it's an awesome example of why this is so important why our arts um, sector is so important and why partnerships with organizations and even businesses and governments are so important in terms of um, embracing the Pacific way of learning and raising awareness and pushing for positive change that's better for all of our lives. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, to- I t- I'm in total agreement here. It's, and again, because we're dealing with human beings, human beings are so complex, right? There's no, you're not going to change people's attitudes towards something overnight. Um, and I think that's, that's, you know, that's where we, when we were talking about um, if we are able to impact, and sometimes it's, it's about, you know, if we're able to impact a few, because it's entertainment for the sake of entertainment, you know, and it's not really, um, I think what the discussion here is more, it's more, it, entertainment around educating people so that you know realizing that okay there's an issue here um, that we need to address and speak about and how do we do that in a way that is safe that you know it's there's a do no harm approach um, but then how does everyone kind of pull together as as a community if you will to invest in the right spaces that is reaching the right people that we're trying to engage with. Um, and, you know, there's always different restrictions, different time restrictions, depending on, you know, where the money is coming from and all types of things. If there's a cyclone buzzing around that's trying to mess up your entire schedule. Um, but yeah, like you think about, I was thinking as well about laughing Samoans. I mean, they were able to really get onto some tough, tough topics. But using humor and, you know, Pacific humor, not everybody gets it, but, you know, it's something that speaks to like pretty much all of us, if I can say, on so many different levels, you know. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I guess, I guess for us, it's just continuing to, to, to push the boundaries. How do we do this better together? Um, and instead of, you know, working in silos how do we you know how do we invest more I would love to see a lot more support um and yeah I'm I'm really see I'm really keen to see where the journey takes us all on this thank you Vika Uh, on your example about laughing with someone's I thought it was uh, a great example because everybody in the Pacific has that one auntie that has absolutely no problem telling you a difficult message that you may not want to hear, whether it be true or not. Everyone has had that, um, you know, it could be, I say auntie, but it could be anyone in your life that, you know, will just tell it to you how it is in terms of um, what they agree with and what they don't agree with, with what you're doing. And in a way, I, I see that as um, if you take, if you zoom out again and look at um, why I think, why this is the Pacific way of communicating effectively, not the only way, but one of the ways is because it speaks to us in our own language um, and how we communicate with one another. And um, I'd like to, I guess, come back to, you know, if we could um, wrap it up with this final point in terms of looking to the future, what 
are your thoughts, each each of you, if we could go around and share as we move into this new and challenging future. Um, you know, some of it's exciting, some of it's scary, some of it is new, some of it's stuff that we've seen before as we move into the future and have new ways of um, new ways of communicating really important messages um, through our different art forms. What is your hope for the future for artists, for art, and for communicating these important change um, messages for our young people and for the future? Um. Thank you for having me. Um, I feel like um, at the moment, the planet, not just our countries, but is very fragmented. And I feel that um, arts can be a very important location for healing and seeing our oneness and interdependence. So that's what I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to doing. And I hope that the future, we can see some positive impact from that. Not just me, everyone else in Bo, and I'm sure like all of the other artists around the Pacific can make a positive impact in helping people see how we are connected with, regardless of whether we believe the same things or we feel the same way or not. Yeah. I We went to a little village called the Moa the, yesterday. Yeah, yes. And, and on the way... Helen read out a letter from Fisheries saying that in the village next to us, there'd been a mass die off of fish. And they said, nobody eat the fish. We don't know why they died. And these kind of things are happening now. And, and I think we have to be aware that some of our messages might not be feasible. You know, I mean, you talk about save the reef, conserve the reef, but the crown of thorns are coming in in their thousands, you swim a lot of reefs around Bifati, now there's no coral. So we're seeing change happening so fast and we have to be as fast and as aware of that change to not say things to people where they're going to go, what? <laughs> it's not like that anymore. Our lives have already changed. Um, and that's a huge issue for, for all of us. I mean, like in town, we don't see trees in the way that no, trees exist, of course, but they're being chopped down all over the place. In a little town like Vila, we're losing so much all the time. And, and we're also bound up with, with this massive development that is the only way that we seem to be able to move forward as a, a, as a human species. And, and I, and, and it's terrifying because all the things that we have to get rid of to have this development are what we depend on to breathe and survive on. So I think we have to talk about these things. I don't think any of us have any answers and I don't know that, I mean, electric cars. I don't know. I mean, I don't know where, where you begin, but I think it's a, a conversation that needs to start. And stop. Mm. Um, gosh, there's so many. I can't like just listening to Suchiko just then and then um Joe and, and, and Helen. I was just I was just wondering in terms of the future, like I think one big thing, and it's across the board, um, you know, including in, including in the, the um development space as well, is just getting a lot better at listening. Um, you know, having that finger on the pulse and, and it, otherwise you, exactly what Joe was saying, you know, otherwise you're missing, you're missing the mark. 
in terms of what's relevant in a, in a, in a different, in a particular context. Um, you know, like you can't talk about hand washing if there's no water um, in a particular area um, or if there's no soap um, to begin with. Um, and so really listening and like thinking about, you know, when we're trying to encourage um, particular health-seeking behaviours, are people resourced around that to be able to actually make those decisions in a way that, you know, is is possible? Like if you're telling, talking to someone about sexual reproductive health, do they have access to, you know, condoms and family planning and all that sort of thing as well? Um, which takes, you know, I mean, it takes a village um, to get all of our ducks in a row when it comes to these things. And I think another one that was just um, coming to mind is um, collaboration, not competition. Um, how do we, how do we really make a difference in a meaningful way that speaks to what everyone is trying to achieve in the whole scheme of things? Again, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have the answers. I don't, I don't think any of us do at this point, but just something I guess that I keep, keep thinking about. I mean, for the World Bank, our work is, is um, in communications is very much um, at, at the level of advocacy, you know, and, and trying to be very um, intentional about human interest stories and, and telling those stories in, in an engaging manner and, and really maximizing on the digital space that Sachiko was just talking about earlier. Um, not that we have a TikTok account yet, yet I say, I shall endeavor to get that on um, our list of goals, but no, but like in a serious sense, I think, I think that combination of the listening will just help us be a lot more strategic in our approach on how we then get the right partnerships um, and, and yeah, and, and just having that subliminal messaging that it's, you know, about collaboration on competition. True, the reality of it is like, there's a lot of com people competing in the same spaces when it comes to being able to, you know, sh like implement the campaigns that we were talking about earlier. But um, yeah, I'm, like I said before, I'm really, I'm really keen to see where this journey takes us beyond here. Um, and just challenging people to, to think outside the box. Um, and yeah, support your local artists, people. Totally. You know, I, I just um, love what each of you have shared and I think it's helpful in my own practice as a storyteller. Um, I mean, my practice is in communication, specifically in writing and and here we are podcasting now. And I think it's, um, it really, our conversation has brought back the message to me, uh, brought back a lot of my appreciation, not that it was ever lost, but brought to the forefront my appreciation for how difficult it can be and how it really does take a village to achieve um, change and shifts and that we can't put too much weight on any one player because everyone needs the support, everyone needs one another to be able to um, create meaningful long-term and sustainable change in our communities and you know as I said earlier this is a specific way of us I guess sharing and raising awareness but it, it is just one way and I think it's a very important way and it's changing with the times and it's really inspiring to see the work that you're each doing um, in your different organizations and in in the art sector and in the de development sector um, and 
And I just think it's it's awesome. So I want to thank each of you for joining me today. Thank you so much. It's been so awesome hearing from you. And I thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank, thank you. you. And that concludes today's Dalana. Thank you for joining us. As you would have heard, I found this conversation insightful and helpful, even for me in my own practice as a Pacific storyteller. Now, as I am after every Dalana, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts. What did you think of what was shared? Did any of what we said resonate with you or did you agree or disagree? You know, I love a long Talano session and feel free to extend this one out to our social media channels at Vossa Podcast on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. I always love hearing your thoughts and I've really actually been enjoying uh, the feedback that we've received. We recently did a Twitter poll based on our last episode and we had some positive and interesting insights. So please um, continue to engage with us. We really love it. Until then... Thank you again, and as always, I'm looking forward to sharing our next episode with you soon. Bye.